Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, and if you don't have your Bibles tonight, don't let anybody know, okay? No, I'm kidding. But if uh, you do have your Bibles, I need you to turn to the book of Philippians as we've been going through our little journey through the book of Philippians. I trust that it's been um, helpful to you, and I know it's uh, helped to me in my walk with the Lord and we're going to be in looking in uh, chapter number 2. We're going to be in verses 25 through 30. Now, you'll have to bear with me tonight because we'll read our text. But the introduction may take the rest of the evening. So we might not even get to the text. It's like the uh, uh, preacher was preaching. He, uh, he says, now I'm going to introduce my text. And Uh, He uh, went to his text and he says, now we may never return back to it, but this is my text. And so uh, as we get through the introduction, now let's set the stage here. Understanding as we started and looked at the beginnings of the letter to uh, uh, to the church at Philippi, we see that, of course, Paul is writing this. He's in prison at Rome, and uh, he's encouraging them. He's uh, telling them, uh, uh, to, these are some things you need to remember because they were going to go through some difficulties. They were going through some difficulties. But also, as we see the progression of the letter, we see that uh, he's also helping them and helping us as well that uh, these are some things we need to do to mature in our faith to get stronger in our faith, uh, for us to be the disciples that the Lord Jesus would have us to be. And, and uh, I want you to look uh, and key in, and then we're going to uh, read the t- rest of the text. But I want you to go back to uh, the verse number 5. You're in chapter 2 in uh, Philippians, but look at verse number 5. As we look at verse number 5, it tells us that this mind that's in Christ will will be in you. In other words, what he's saying is that we need to have the mind of Christ, right? Okay, so if we're having the mind of Christ, we need to see what's on his mind. And he's telling us uh, some things that we know are upon the mind of Christ. First of all, and I think we've already talked about this, but uh, in 13 of the parables that Jesus taught, uh, in those 13, they dealt with servanthood or being a servant. Tonight, we're going to look at a man who uh, is known as the loving servant. And so if we're to have the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ is on servanthood and being a servant, don't you think we ought to be servants? I mean, I, I know this is deep right here, okay? But, but we, we're seeing here's what it looks like to be a servant. Here's what it looks like to be a loving servant. And so that sets the stage. Uh, we're in chapter number 2. We're looking at verse number 25. Everybody there? Everybody got your uh, uh, text? All right. Well, some of you do, okay? Now, he says in verse number 25, he says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaparatus, and I'm probably not pronouncing his name. I usually just call him Pap, okay? It's just easier. <laughs> so, 
He says, I'm, I'm sending to you Epaphroditus. Now, uh, this man is a very important uh, to the ministry of Paul. We're going to look a little bit more about that. But he said, I, I need to send to you Epaphroditus. He's, and now notice here, he says, he's my brother, he's my companion in labor, and he is my fellow soldier. But your messenger, in other words, he says, this is what he means to me. He, he, he's a brother to me. He's a, a co-laborer with me, if you will. He's a fellow soldier. But he, to you, he's going to be a messenger and that he will minister. Uh, so he's a messenger to you, but he's been ministering to my wants. And then he goes on and says, For he longed uh, after you all and was... Uh, full of heaviness. Now, why was he burdened? That word heaviness, we see that word is used uh, when it refers to uh, what was taking place when the Lord Jesus went to the garden. He says, what, what's the cause of this burden? And he goes and answers. He says, because that ye uh, have heard that he had been sick. And then in verse number 27 he says, and for indeed he was sick. Now, sometimes I get tickled at things, and maybe this is not the appropriate place, but when I thought about, uh, he says, now he was sick. That's the reason why he couldn't come uh, when he wanted to, and he's been burdened about that because he really wanted to come to you. Uh, and then he said, indeed, he was sick. It reminds me of a, a, a cemetery, and on one of the tombstones, it just said this. Didn't say anything about when they when they were born, when they died. It just said, "I told you I was sick." But it's, uh, I'm, I know I'm warped. <laughs> he said, "Indeed, he was sick, nigh unto death." But God had mercy upon him, and not only on him, but also on me. Also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So apparently, here's Paul. Paul understood the, the encouragement that a pap was to him. He understood the love that he had for one another. They had, they had a love for one another. And, 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 and so he says, now God had mercy upon him, but because of what he did in his life, that was also a blessing to me. Now, here's what we we need to understand that when God has mercy on one of our brothers and sisters and when he uh, does something wonderful in their midst, that ought to cause us to joy as well. That ought to help us because why? We are connected. Okay? We're connected here. Now, it goes on in verse number 28. He says, and, and he says, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be, uh, be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and, and, and hold such in reputation. Now, the, that word there, underline that because we're going to have to visit that uh, and, and we'll show you why. And then in verse number 30, as he closes this section out, he says, because uh, for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. So, so here's what he's saying. He says, this man was sick. He was very sick. Some scholars say he was sick for three or four months. 
And it gives indication here that apparently he was sick, that he was working so hard for the Lord Jesus Christ that it caused him to almost die. But then he goes on and says, and notice how he closes out. He says, he was, uh, he was uh, nigh unto death, uh, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. Now, as I made mention, the introduction might take a while, but we got to set the stage here. In Ezekiel, chapter number 47, verse number 9. Now, I understand the context of Ezekiel. Ezekiel has a vision. By the way, uh, when you look at the vision that Ezekiel was able to witness, we also see when you go to the book of Revelation, John also had a vision. And when you look at Ezekiel and you look at John's vision, you'll see there are some similarities to those visions. And we're talking, of course, we're talking about in the latter days, and we're talking about uh, going into the millennial kingdom and all that. I understand the context of what Ezekiel, but you, you just bear with me, okay? In Ezekiel 47, 9, it says that there is a river flowing from the Holy of Holies. Now, understand the context here. The Holy of Holies was the very presence of the Lord Jesus, okay? That's where the glory of the Lord was. And, of course, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. So here's the picture that we see in Ezekiel's vision. He says there's a river that's flowing out of the Holy of Holies or the presence of God. And I'm paraphrasing here, but it says that as this river is flowing in the desert where it's dry, where it's desolate, uh, where it's bearing, he says as that river is flowing out of the throne room of the Lord, it causes it to heal the land and it also gives it life. Now, what does that have to do with you? I'm glad you asked. Because you go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 14, and this is what the, uh, the, the God is saying. He says, And if I put my spirit in you, you will have life. Because here's the picture. We as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be like that river that Ezekiel's talking about. Because we are in a dry, desolate, barren land. And we're flowing out, if you will. And the only reason why we're able to flow out is because he's put something in. All right? You, you, you're catching this. And so we see here that we are to be like, we are to be speaking life to those who are dying. We are to be light. We talked about that last week. To a dark world. We are to show love to a world that does not understand love. But then we also, as we're talking about that, and we've already seen previously in uh, the letter to Philippians where it talks about, uh, it's a river, it talked about a river, and it was abundant, it was flowing, and it was talking about love. That's how our uh, love uh, should flow. And so uh, we see in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 14, how do you know? How do you know when you've gone from death to life? By the way you love the brethren. John 13, 35 says it this way. Jesus speaking, how will, you know, how will they know that you're my disciples? By the way you love one another. Now catch this. 
So here's this river we're looking at, a river of life. But we also understand that the reason why we can have love one for another is because life has been put in us. And when we understand that we have life, then we understand the only reason why we have this life is because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And agape love is what we're talking about. And so here as we're looking at how to be a more of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to look at the example of the Lord Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you'll see that wherever he went, he was speaking life and as he's speaking life he's also speaking it in love and so if we're going to be like Jesus we have to be speaking life and we have to be doing it in love so that sets the stage here we come to the passage that we read we're introduced Paul introduces us to a loving Servant. Notice here, uh, as he's talking about Pap, uh, I made mention that he's uh, called him his brother. Oh, that is a family term, if you will. See, we're able to call one another brothers and sisters. Why? Because we have the same Heavenly Father. Okay, and so here we are brothers and sisters. We have something in common. We have the same daddy, if you will. And, but then he goes on and he says, he's my companion in labor. Now, interesting term here, that word companion. Now, understand, Paul had, had every right, if he wanted to, to kind of put himself up. Paul, I mean, everybody knew about Paul. Paul was instrumental in starting many of the churches here. Uh, he was instrumental in, 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 in witnessing. And because of his ministry, we see many people got saved. And because of that, the church was growing and, and the churches were growing. And, and we see that Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So if anybody had some bragging rights and say, Hey, I just want you to know, uh, you see some of my credentials here... It would have been Paul. But Paul was not like that because he came to understand what he was able to do for the Lord Jesus Christ was all because of his grace. See, Paul understood that he didn't deserve what he got. He didn't deserve grace. He didn't deserve life because of his wickedness and because of his religion. But he came to realize one time I was dead, but praise God, now I'm alive. And because I'm alive, I want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here he says, he's my companion. He's my equal, if you will. See, what we need to understand, church, is that none of us have arrived and none of us ought to put ourselves up on a pedestal, but we're all on level playing ground, if you will. We all came by the way of the cross. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. It wasn't because of your name or your reputation. It was the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand tonight that we're in this thing together. We're companions in labor. But notice he uses the word labor. For some reason, there's people who think that uh, if you're lazy, then you, you can go into ministry. And you can. Okay, you, you can do that. But that's not what the Lord Jesus is expecting of us. See, that's the reason why we call it church work. Amen. It's hard laboring out there. Yep. I, I, just to remind you, 
They're not on our team out there. See, that they don't give a rip if we have a Wednesday night service or not. And, and so we're in this thing together and we're laboring together because we're serving in a dark, dry land. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we can speak life and we can speak it in love. But notice here, he's made mention and I already alluded to that he says he was heavy. He was burdened. See, uh, old Pap here, he was burdened uh, because he wanted to go and minister to these people. But because of his illness and his sickness, that delayed him in going. And that burdened him. That bothered him. But I also want you to see his compassion See, Epaphroditus, uh, he was a very compassionate man. He cared. Uh, he uh, cared about Paul. Uh, he was in Philippi. He's going to Rome. That's 800 miles. 800 miles this man went to show his love and appreciation for Paul. Now, understand there was no buses, <laughs> no airplanes, he either had to ride an animal or he had to walk. They tell us that it took at least, probably more, but at least six weeks or more. And the only reason why he was going is because he loved and he cared for Paul. As I was thinking about that, I came across this quote. I think it's a good one. Go ahead and write it down. It is not original. I stole it from somewhere. But it said, people really don't care how much you know until they know that you care. Apparently some of you didn't get that. People don't care how much you know until they know you care. And that's exactly why Epaphroditus, he was a loving servant. Matter of fact, his name means loving he was a loving servant. He was, uh, he, he was concerned. He was burdened for these people. And church, could it be that maybe we've lost sight of that? We, we've kind of got to our, our, our little plateau, if you will. We, we've kind of grown and we're able to do some things and, and, and all that. And we're kind of gotten satisfied. And we've kind of gotten some short-term memory here too. We forgot uh, it wasn't too long ago for many of us that we were dead in our trespasses. But the Lord Jesus, because somebody cared for us, somebody loved us and came and gave us the gospel of Jesus Christ and we came to realize that we needed a Savior and he, the Bible says that if you call upon His name, thou shalt be saved. And when you got saved, life came into you and love came into you and maybe what we need is a wake up call and maybe we need to be a reminder that we could very well be in the rescue mission tonight. We could very easily be under the bridge tonight. We could easily be incarcerated tonight but because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ he did something in my life. He changed my life and I haven't gotten over it. Could it be we've gotten over it? God help us. Amen. What we do now, we want to kind of pick and choose who we want to come into the fellowship. I, I don't know about this. Uh, they, it, ooh, man, they, they, they smell. 
I don't know about you, but I saw marks going up and down their arms. Do we really want somebody in there? It, it, might, it might mess us up. Well, my dear friend, you're already messed up. We're all been messed up. But thanks be to God, he fixed us up. Amen. And so here, Epaphroditus, he was compassionate. But notice his compassion cost him something. It said that he was sick unto death. Now, hang with me on this. You've heard that saying, well, that old boy's working himself to death. Some of you probably nobody said that to you. <laughs> my dad used to say about me, my boy, work doesn't bother him at all. He can lay right beside it. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, but there he is. You, you can work yourself to death. Now, when you're looking at the business world, you'll, you'll see and you've heard stories about uh, how a man had an ideal and that ideal evolved. He had two employees and, you know, he grew the company and, uh, and all that. We hear all kinds of, quote, success stories in the business world. And they say, man, he was a workaholic. You ever heard that term? He's a workaholic. He, all he does is work. He works and works and works. Well, here's the question. Why are they doing that? And in many cases, it's so they can look back and say, look what I did. Look what I built up. May I remind you, my dad used to do things like that to me. You know, we, we, he came up poor and we, you know, we were middle class. But my dad used to say uh, uh, things like, well, when I was a boy, you know, we walked uphill both ways. You know, we had a snow day and they canceled school. Well, when I was a boy, we didn't, you know, and, and he'd go on things like that. But what we're trying to get a point across is that sometimes we're working and we're working so we can go ahead and make sure somebody notices and that somebody will praise us and somebody will clap for us. He says, well, I can see that in the business world. It's happening in the church too. Here's the question that we have to answer tonight. Why am I working for the Lord Jesus Christ? Why am I doing what I'm doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we start looking and we're saying all the right things outwardly, but inwardly we're looking around and saying, look at my kingdom. Look what I've done. Paparatus. Didn't have not because the scripture tells us that what he did, he disregarded his own life. Amen. He did it simply because he loved Jesus Christ. That was his motivation. My dear friend, I'm telling you, when you're doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're doing it with the right attitude, you may not be rewarded down here, but you will be rewarded there. And that's all really matters anyway, isn't it? I, I used to work for, um, and, and when I was working in shipping and receiving, and we had, um, I call them attaboy or attagirl awards. And uh, we had, it would be a month, uh, employee of the month, something like that, and they get a little plaque. And so the first time we started this program, I thought it was a pretty good program because I came up with the idea, you know. And uh, so uh, 
And I still think it was a good idea. But uh, so the first one, the first one, it was this old boy, and he did his work. He could depend upon all that. And so I went to him one day, and I said, Hey, you want you to know you, uh, you, you get the award for this month. He took that plaque. I thought it was a nice plaque. I mean, he had his name on it and all that. And he says, Hmm, can't eat it. I said, well, you ungrateful. <laughs> and I was almost saying, you've just lost the award. And, and, but what, what, what was he? See, what he was doing was not because he loved doing it. He was looking for somebody to pat him on the back and say, atta boy, atta girl. My dear friends, what we, the rewards we get down here, they're all temporary. But the rewards that we have waiting for us are eternal. And the only reason I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ is because I want to please Him. I want to lift Him up. I want to bring glory and honor to Him because if it wasn't for Him, I would not be where I'm at tonight. And so here he goes and he says that he was a loving servant. He was compassionate. But I want you to notice, and I told you, uh, that word reputation. The same word usage is used back in chapter 2, verse number 7, where it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says, paraphrasing here, the Bible says that he was of no reputation. The word is a word that talks about humility. See, the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself to come down here. He humbled him. The Bible says he humbled himself to be a servant. Matter of fact, he even said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And so if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we ought to be servants but if we're going to be servants, we better have some humility about us. Amen. And that's a hard thing for us to do, isn't it? We're so stinking prideful and arrogant at times. We strut around and we're thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good. Boy, Lord, you are so lucky to have me on your team. Boy, this church is so blessed because I'm here. Now, we don't verbalize that. But it's in our heart. Matter of fact, Jesus says, if it's in your heart, you might as well have gone ahead and done it outwardly. You're still guilty. And so could it be that we as a church family, that we've lost sight that we are to be loving servants? Could it be that we've lost sight that we are to be that river that Ezekiel talks about that when we go into a lost and dying world, we're speaking life? Amen. Now, I, I had this uh, conversation not too long ago. And uh, I, was, uh, I got upset. Uh, and I don't remember what I got upset about, but I was upset about something somebody did. And, 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 and here's, here's, here was, I, I said something like this. Well, they just ought to go ahead and shoot them. Now, I know that's not politically correct. But I thought about this. Well, 
the reason they did what they did is because they're dead spiritually. They have no light. They have no one to speak life. They have no one to show what real love, agape love is about. See, we got this warped sense. Society says, here's how we interpret love. As long as you're loving me, I'm loving you. That's not God-like love. In a lost and dying world, they need to see that we love because He first loved us. And because He first loved us, He put life in us. And we are to go speak life into a world that's dark and dying and on its way to hell. And we've lost sight of that. What we'll do is like I've done, we fuss about it. We say, go ahead and take them out. We do all that. When the Lord Jesus Christ could be saying, speak life. Speak love. Speak encouragement. Because somebody loved you enough that they spoke life into you and spoke it in love. And it looked back and you couldn't explain it, but you knew there was something different about that person. And I wanted what that person that came to me had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we see here, as Paul writes this letter, and we see the love that they have, we need to be reminded tonight that we're supposed to be doing this with humility. We also have looked at that we are to be light. We've looked at that we are to have, uh, remember the relationships that the Lord has uh, entrusted with us and people that's come into our lives that have been encouragements to us. And, uh, and I know some people say that uh, sometimes I'm the Joel Olstein because I'm always kind of upbeat and I'm, and I'm always, you know, saying, hey, everything's good and all that. But uh, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I don't get too upset about that. First of all, I don't have that many teeth. And I don't have that kind of hair. And, and sometimes I'll take it, you know, it kind of ribbing me. But I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I understand that it's not always hunky-dory and all that. But we can go to the other extreme as well, can't we? Heathen, pagan, they deserve to go to hell. Heard a song not too long ago. <laughs> I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Heard this song. <laughs> and the song goes, like the, I, I promise you this is the words. If you don't love Jesus, then go to hell. That, that's a, Chris knows the song. He, he has it on his playlist. And, <laughs> Now you say, well, that's kind of harsh. But isn't how we come across many times? Isn't that how we come across? Hey, when you, when you, when you get, a, you know, and what we do, we start puffing ourselves up. 
and we start strutting it and we start become self-righteous. And then we wonder why a lost and dying world doesn't give a flip what we have to say because we can talk to we're blue in the face, but they don't really get really concerned about the way we talk. They're watching the way we walk and our walk's not matching our talk. And we're going around like we're better than they are, but we need to be reminded and I need to be reminded on a daily basis. If it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd be right there with them. Matter of fact, some of the things I've done, it's a wonder that I'm not dead today. Thanks be to God when I was ignorant, when I was a heathen, when I was a pagan, there was somebody that came into my life, spoke life into my life, and spoke it in love, and that made me to start, wait a minute, wait a minute, I think that's the real deal. They're, the, they're, they're a genuine. I'm telling you, they'll pick out a phony. And could it be the reason why we're not making an impact on a lost and dying world is because we've not become a loving servant. What a wonderful example here as we close this chapter 2 out. But before we close, we see going back to chapter 2 verse number 5 of having the mind of Christ... This is the last example that he gives. And what example is that? That we are to be a loving servant who speaks life and speaks love into a dying, desolate, dark world. See, that's what we're supposed to do. And could it be tonight that there's somebody here that you're in that dark place. You're in that desert, if you will. I got good news for you. When you open up the Word of God, the Word of God speaks life. And tonight, we speak life. Maybe it is the reason why you're where you're at is because you've never understood what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. I didn't understand it either. But I knew it was something that was missing. And I cried upon His name. And He saved me by His grace and His mercy and His love. And He can do the same thing for you tonight. But I understand on a Wednesday night... We're talking to church folk. Could it be that as you look here, that you're just kind of missing something in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Could it be that you understand that you're not maturing in your faith? You're not the disciple that you know the Lord Jesus wants you to be. You've had opportunity to speak life and you didn't do it. Maybe you spoke, but you didn't do it in love. Maybe you thought, well, you know, they'll, they'll hear about it somehow or another. Or we'll say, if I could just get them to church and they could just hear a sermon. My dear friend, you, if you've experienced life, can speak life. If you've experienced love, you can speak love. You don't have to get a pastor. You can do that at And could it be that there's something missing in you 
and you're saying, you know what, I'm not a disciple like I ought to be, you need to go ahead and get that taken care of tonight. Church, what would it be? What would it be to this town and to this county if we got a reputation that you can say all you want to about that crazy bunch at Hillcrest, but they speak life and they speak love. I think he would radically change the community in which we live. So maybe tonight we as a corporate body just need to get here and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be that disciple like Epaphroditus was to Paul. I want to be a loving servant. I want to be a servant that speaks light. I want to be a servant that shines light. I want to be one that shows love, the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world.